Before we jump into today's episode, we want to talk to you about Internet Church. Rich, what is Internet Church? Oh, it's only the best internet gathering this side of the Kailua River. Is the Kailua River a thing? Maybe we should start over. <laughs> let's let's do it again. Ask me again. <laughs> no, let's leave it in. Now no, no, let's talk about Internet Church. Uh, internet Church. Actually, it's a thing we do every other Friday night where we all gather together, uh, encourage the saints in truth. It's uplifting. It's edifying. It's just a time to gather for about an hour on a Friday night or day, depending what part of the world you're in, just to be encouraged by the saints. You you think you would like something like that? Is the Pope Catholic? Uh, you bet your sweet bippy the Pope is Catholic. And uh, Justin, Internet Church is all about gospel freedom. It's good. I'm trying to think of the follow-up question. <laughs> oh, I'm like, man, this thing is lagging. Uh, all right. If No. Absolutely love it. So if you were going to... No. What are we going for? Are we trying to be funny or are we trying to be serious? I don't know. I I mean, whatever. I, we're trying to let people know that... Oh, <laughs> I'm not as gifted as you are in this department, my friend. So join us every other Friday night, 8 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern. If you are international and want to add that to your calendar so you don't have to do all the time conversions, head on over to lovereality.org slash circles and add the Internet Church Circle to your calendar. Welcome back to The Move, where we're vibing through the book 10 minutes at a time. I'm your host, Justin Koo, and in today's episode, we're talking about that one time in the Bible when Abraham's wife gets jealous of their slave woman, and basically God says, don't worry about it. If you're wondering what we're talking about, we're in Genesis chapter 21, verses 8 to 21. We have Pastor Kessia Rain on the microphone today. Excited to talk to you today. This is uh, an interesting passage. Um, there's this, well, uh, there, there's a handful of phrases that stood out to me on the reading of this passage, but let's go ahead and recap the story a little bit. And I'd actually invite you to share kind of what is happening in this portion of the narrative. All right. So it opens with Isaac is old enough to be weaned. And so Abraham has a big party. And then um, Ishmael is playing with or laughing at Isaac. Sarah gets upset and is like, get this lady and her kid out of here. Mm -hmm. They're not going to have any part of Isaac's inheritance. And Abraham's pretty bummed about that, but he sends them away. And they think they're going to die out there in the wilderness and they're out there in the wilderness just crying, expecting death at any moment. And God God personally hears the, the voice, their prayers, and sends an angel, gives them a message, and we see how everything works out for Ishmael in the end. There were a couple things that I noticed uh, in this story. Uh, one was how God was technically like off on a technicality, right? Like, He's, this is not actually the son of promise. And yet God's like, ah, don't worry about it. We'll still bless him with what in practice is pretty much the exact same promise that the promise of child was given that, that, that they will have a whole nation of descendants because of the fact that Abraham is a kid. Uh, the, the part of my uh, Bible reading that I'm like, wow, that's really interesting. It talks about how Abraham the very next morning basically gives him like what equates to like a sandwich and a water bottle. I was like, all right, guys, <laughs> see you later. Get out of here. And the I text says that they... I have thing. I was like, <laughs> yeah. what? Is it that, what? That's all they get? Like, I get a, I get a better to-go lunch from Panera. 
Yes, exactly. I feel like a Lunchables would have been more appropriate at that time. <laughs> uh, fun fact, when I was a kid, I think just to get my, my siblings and I off my mother's back, she said, okay, fine. Once a year, you can have a Lunchable because all what? of our friends always had Lunchables <laughs> in the, at the cafe table. And I don't think my mom was excited about the price and the lack of nutrition. And so when we would ask, she says, you only get it once a year. And so once a year for, for like our entire elementary school, we got a Lunchable. I feel like a Lunchable... <laughs> is maybe a more substantial meal than what Abraham seemed to give them. You could tell they're discouraged because the passage later goes on to say that, that when they went away, they wandered aimlessly in the wilderness. And it's just such a discouraging, such a depressing moment. It's like, dude, this is still your family. And, 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 and this is, this is how you treat them. This is what, how you set them up for success in the future. But we do know that Abraham is upset about it. Like he's not excited because um, in verse 11, it was very distressing to Abraham. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also interesting in verse 14, it says, Abraham rose early in the morning and took the bread and the water and gave it to Hagar. This is right. You know, the next chapter is chapter 22. So, hmm. uh, there we will see Abraham rise up early in the morning with his supplies to take Isaac Oh. And, and, and take him up the mountain for sacrifice. So okay. it's kind of like a foreshadowing. Abraham yeah. is attached to Ishmael. The The passage doesn't give us any room to think that Abraham didn't care about Ishmael or Hagar. Okay. He did okay. care about Ishmael. But it does. I have the same question. I was like, why are you only giving them a loaf of bread and like a Nalgene of water? Because right. you are the richest guy around. It doesn't yes. make sense to me. The only thing I can think of is that Sarah insisted Mm. That she was like, this, the son of this slave woman shall not inherit along with my son, Isaac. Like mm-hmm. Sarah was insisting. He's not Mm-mm. taking anything. Nope. Not going to happen. Nope. No birthright for this individual. Uh, one detail yeah. that you and you were talking about actually before we started recording that actually did shift the way I saw it. In my, in my mind, it was, you know, Hagar and a little baby and they're walking away. But if you pay attention to the details and the timeline... Um, it, it seems as though the kid is not quite a kid per se, but is maybe in the teenage phase. Is that right? Yeah. So he would have been about 13 when Isaac was born and Isaac is already weaned, which now we might wean children in infancy, but in the ancient Near East, they could be weaned any time between ages three and seven. So okay. he could have been 16 or 20. Yeah. So not not quite the the picture of hopeless, unable to take care of yourself, and you're only getting a sandwich and some water. It, it, maybe there's an element in which, yeah, you have what you need, but hopefully, if you've been living kind of out in the the boonies, as it were, and you've had to learn how to fend for yourself in some meaningful sense, you can't just go to the to the Whole Foods down the street. Like you're equipped <laughs> to be able to take care of yourself and your mother, hopefully. But it doesn't make the situation any less discouraging when you're kind of removed from your family context and removed from your your kind of safety network. Yeah, totally. I think it goes to show that this whole thing, all of this could have been avoided if Sarah had and Abraham had continued to keep to God's plan and trust in God's promise. Mm-hmm. Like the only reason there's any conflict with Hagar and Sarah is because Sarah insisted that Hagar, that Abraham take Hagar and try to make a child. And then a child yeah. comes along and then she's upset. And they've yeah. already had one difficulty. And now Ishmael is giving Isaac a hard time. And mm-hmm. Sarah's like, I'm not going to have any of it. And it just yep. like, man, we how much of the drama in our lives 
self-inflicted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and just for a, a, a recap, you remember where does Hagar come from? Hagar likely comes from the transaction with Pharaoh when basically uh, Abram tr- uh, trades his wife for a handful of donkeys and servants, and this is likely where Hagar is coming from. So this is certainly one of those like, man, you know what? You reap what you sow, and there are consequences for some of the mistakes you might have made in the past. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that his blessing is completely removed from you, but there is absolutely an element in which, you know, what what kind of comes around goes around, like you reap what you sow. This is part of the world that we experience. But I think one of the things that's really cool in this passage is how God responds to the sorrow of someone who is still created in his image, someone who is still valued and worthy, maybe not under the typical, at that time, typical structure of the family hierarchy, like this is a slave woman, uh, her and her child are second rate compared to the actual heir. So here's this woman who's seemingly discarded by society. And yet when she's crying out in the wilderness, she calls out to God and it shows up that God is listening. God does hear us when we cry. God does hear us when we cry. And and I think from Sarah's point or Sarah's point of view, it was kind of a um Ishmael's not gonna have any part of what Isaac has because mm-hmm. if he has anything good, then that's something Isaac doesn't have. You yeah. know, kind of like a zero sum, like in yeah, order for me scarcity to give, mentality coming through strong. Yeah. But for God, there's no such limitation whatsoever. Mm-mm. He he is going to bring the promise. He is going to bring the Messiah and all of those promises through Isaac, just as he promised from the beginning. So that does belong to Isaac. And that didn't get transferred to, to Ishmael because one thing we might overlook, Justin, I don't know. I overlooked it for a while. Maybe you did too. But okay. um God specifically made a promise to Sarah. It's not just Abraham's mm. promised son. And chapter 21, verse 1 uh, reaffirms that for us, that the Lord uh, engaged with Sarah just like he said he did for Sarah Ooh. as he had promised. So this this promised child, yeah, is not just Abraham's child. That's it had to, to be out. Abraham and Sarah's child. And so God will fulfill his promise through through Isaac, and yet... Does that mean that nobody else can get anything good? Is God Mm. limited? Like, well, I Mm -hmm. only have this one person I like, therefore I can't help you out. Absolutely not. And if anything, it just reminds me, this story reminds me of how when I'm focused on preserving what's mine and getting what's mine, I'm going to miss like the heart and the abundance of God that finds finds the weeping person in the wilderness finds the weeping mother, the weeping teenager out there in the wilderness and personally goes to respond and gives the word of encouragement and promise and then prospers Ishmael and Hagar. Like, man, our vision is too small too often. Like, let's open ourselves up to the wideness of God's mercy. And and isn't this kind of scarcity framework, the scarcity mindset, is isn't that the thing that stops us from acting out in these grand ways that 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 allow God's space to to space to work? Like right? it's when we think like, oh man, it's a zero sum game. If if I give to someone else, it's coming at my detriment. It's like we think that that's the way that God's blessings work. We think that that's the way that the economics of this world works. And and, and sure, that might be true in a certain respect, but the way that God operates is that it's when you when a seed dies, it 
it reproduces and it mm. multiplies. It's that in giving of yourself away, you 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 return more. And and it's kind of like you know, there's the the sermon analogy. It's like, what's the thing that you can give away without losing it? It's 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 hope. It's it's and when a candle lights another candle, it doesn't come at the expense of the first candle. Like there's this there's a different type of calculus that works in the faith space that when you give, you receive. Yes. I think this is a lesson Abraham and Sarah are still in the process of learning because you mentioned that Hagar probably originated from this whole situation with Pharaoh that happened earlier on where he's like, oh, she's my sister. And uh, anyway, that's going to happen again, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what? Uh, Abimelech and all this. Anyway, he, he just has this same problem with where uh, uh, in chapter 20, before right before Isaac is born, like he does the same thing with Abimelech and then he's going to have to give up Isaac. Like God is still working with these people. And I think yeah. even while he loves them and is blessing them, gives them promises and fulfills promises, that, that they're still uh, learning, growing. They're still being conformed to like the, the image uh, um of God's son. You know what I mean? Like it gives mm-hmm. me hope, I guess. And also that there's not some distinction, like God only fulfills his promise to the people who never zig when they should zag. Right. He never, like he only fulfills his promise to people who have figured out how not to be selfish and only live in abundance. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. he's like out there fulfilling promises to people who are walking with him, making mistakes, figuring it out, you know, receiving yeah. grace day by day. Um, yeah. I appreciate and, and and this is it seems like when we get towards the tail end of our our section of verses for today that this is certainly the take home point right verse 20 god was with the boys he grew up in the wilderness mm-hmm. like they were not alone it wasn't this one-time thing where god's like hey guys don't stress out like you're gonna be okay you're gonna receive my blessing it's all gonna be like no no god is still with them in the wilderness, which is the place that we don't feel like God is with us, right? It talks about how he became a skillful archer and settles in the wilderness. Like God is able to take even the the most messy moment and transform it for good. Like he's able to work through you even when things seem dark and dreary. And then there's this interesting moment where the the, the last sentence of the passage says his mother arranged for him to marry a woman from the land of Egypt. We get to see Hagar's like a tiny sliver of character development with Hagar where she's no longer, woe is me, my my son's gonna die. All I have is a sandwich and some water. There's there's something happened here where inside of Hagar, it's clear that she has risen above the situation and is not only just surviving, but really thriving and providing the best for her family, for her kid, for their future. Mm-hmm. They must have had some wealth by this point too, because in mm-hmm. order to get a wife, you have to provide a dowry, right? So you yeah. have to pay some big money for that. So that gives us an indication too that they had been. They they were financially stable and and blessed and I I think about I, okay you tell me if this is too far of a comparison okay, okay so keep me in check here Justin but when I'm reading this and I'm thinking about Abraham and Sarah and then I hear about a slave woman and her son hmm. in my American mind and my American context I can't help but think about like American slavery. Which right. is so different than this mm-hmm. kind of slavery, right? Yeah. Like this kind of slavery was not race-based. It wasn't people as property. It it was much less cruel and inhumane and it wasn't racialized like the slavery that 
that we had in America. But nevertheless, I keep thinking about like how many like wealthy landowners were creating offspring with their slaves and what happened mm. to them and they weren't getting inheritance. And it really felt unjust reading this story. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, I, I don't think that that's a stretch. I mean, uh, it, it's certainly if you're paying attention to platforms like Hulu and you read like the handmaidens t- or not read, but you watch the handmaidens tell the, the, it, it's clear that to the average reader, they view these stories through the lens of our modern day westernized understanding of slavery, that that's exactly what was happening here. And and, and there's nothing redemptive or nothing meaningful about these exchanges. They're just, you know, sexual exchanges between property and, and master. And it's just like this, it's a really horrible and dark thing. So is what you're saying that that's definitely not fair for us to read into it? that way i yeah i do think i we have to be sensitive to this is not the same kind of arrangement mm-hmm. um by by far and yet i still felt a real sense of indignation and i was kind of like reading it again like god is this the best you can do mm. like it seemed like what would i want like okay if i'm if i'm going to be super fair and super just what what do i think is better that I, that ishmael get half of abraham's estate or what? I don't know. Hmm. And yet, the more I read it, I'm like, God tells Abraham, like, hey, you can listen to Sarah. Mm-hmm. The promise is going to come through Isaac, but go ahead and listen to Sarah. But he doesn't give Abraham the assurance that he's going to take care of Ishmael, even though he comes through and he does just that. Hmm. Um, and and the, there's whole conflict that's been going on in their house for 13 years, at least. Hmm. Now Mm -hmm. it's probably 16, 17, 18 years that there's been fighting and animosity between Sarah and Hagar and all this kind of stuff. God permits uh, Hagar and Ishmael to leave the house. And I think, yeah, so he could make of him a nation. Mm But God's blessing to Ishmael actually got bigger. Right, exactly. After they left. Yes. You know, that, that, and, that's what I'm and, noticing too. Cause it, yeah. if we went the route of, okay, so Ishmael gets 50%. Well, guess what? Now both kids get a, a 50% uh, portion of the total sum. Like we, we are actually entering into the belief of the zero sum game that in order for Ishmael to get something, he must remove something from the, from the other child. It's like, no, no, no. He's actually getting a mirrored version of the blessing. Like God is doing this thing where he's actually doubling what was originally on the table as far as an offer is concerned. I think that gives me hope to when people in our lives wrong us and it happens, it could be mm-hmm. at work or family, you know, someone's not giving you your inheritance literally or metaphorically or whatever. Um, and it's like, man, how often I've seen it in my life. I, I don't know. Maybe you've seen it in your life where someone else is trying to cut me out mm. and God lets it happen to give me more. Ooh, I like that. I like that. I like uh, the picture of a God who's able to work despite the circumstances. Cause you're right. Like that happens. And I don't, I don't think it's reasonable to expect that anytime in the near future, all of society, all of the world's going to change and everyone's going to treat each other like completely in an upright and, and, and righteous way. Like that would be fantastic if we get it. And if I'm wrong, I will happily, you know, eat my own, my own uh, hat as it were. But, but I don't think that's going to change. So in the event that it doesn't change, like what's the better alternative? A God who's able to work and to redeem these fallen moments and, and to still end up on top and be, still be able to take care of his children. Like that's absolutely the best version that we could hope for. Yeah. So the God we see here is a God who is going to keep his promise to Sarah, Mm -hmm. who is going to give Isaac everything he was promised. 
and who finds the castouts mm. out there in the desert where no one else can find them, personally hears their prayers, personally visits them, personally gives them promises and blessings, is with them all the days of their life, and establishes them with more than they would have had if they got what they thought they wanted in the first place. Woo! God, we, we, we have this saying amongst my friends and it's like, God is a chess player. We, we think in these like singular movements where it's like, you know what, did we, did I increase or did I lose? Like, did I win? Did I, did I miss out on something? And God's like, yeah, I mean, that's cute. Like I'm, I'm, I'm happy to entertain the emotions of a moment when you feel like you're alone and all the things. But if you only knew what I have planned eight moves from now, you're going to see it all come together and you'll know, man, God's really got something in store for me. And, and I just, I love that perspective because sometimes we feel like we're in the wilderness. Sometimes we feel like we're forgotten and alone. And then God comes through and reminds us that he is in fact good. His word doesn't return void and that he is trustworthy because he loves us. We're his kids. And of course, he's going to take care of us. Mm, that's some good news, Justin. <laughs> we call it the that's good, good good news. <laughs> What I want to plug today is another podcast. It's a little longer per episode than the one we do here at The <laughs> a Move. A little bit, a little bit longer. Maybe like but, five times as long. Yeah. And yet it's five times full of gold. Uh, Absolutely. Every one of those minutes is so good. And we're talking about the Death to Life podcast with our friend Richard Young and so many friends that come through there. You know what I like about this podcast, Justin? Do you want to guess? Uh, I'm going to guess that it's got amazing testimonies of the redemptive power of an almighty God who loves us. That is exactly it. And what I like <laughs> about these stories is it doesn't matter what kind of history you came from or where your story is right now. You can mm. hear yourself in these stories and you can be reminded that God's power, God's grace is transformative and is for you. So it's a great, I totally binged on it recently and just got all sorts of the encouragement all stored up. So I recommend Death to Life. Check it out. That's not a feature that should be overlooked. The idea that the gospel is contextualized in a million different stories. Because, you know, you've heard the story of the kid uh, or, or, or of that person who came to your school for chapel who was an ex-gangster and had a life of drug dealing and went to prison and murdered a couple few, a couple people and then his life transformed by the... It's like, cool, I relate to none of that. Or maybe on the <laughs> other side of the spectrum, you're like, man, I've been doing everything right my whole life, or at least I feel like it. And then you hear the story of a PK whose life was transformed formed still by the gospel, even though they grew up in the church. Like one of the, my favorite parts about that is that, you know what, even if like, even if you, 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 you can't relate to the first story, keep going. You're going to find some story that resonates with you on a deep level. Someone described it in the, um, the reviews of the death to life podcast, like taking like a, a Russian roulette, just pick a random story and let God show up in that amazing way. And I was like, that is so perfect because that's exactly what it is. There are a million stories, all God showing up in, in so many different ways. And, and yeah, if you like stories of how, how of the goodness of God coming through in, in like just the messiest and crazy moments of life, you're going to love the podcast. So check it out. It's Death to Life with Richard Young.